I'm Hannah Adini. I'm Jenna Stoyanov. I'm Lane Jackson. I'm Haley Rodriguez. And this is Life Beyond. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Life Beyond, a podcast that humanizes people living unconventional lifestyles. In a society that grossly overvalues instant gratification, we hope to spark conversations that help us all critically analyze our own lifestyles and habits. A few recurring themes in our discussions include healthier, less frequent, and more ethical consumption, fostering communication and connectivity with others that is safe, meaningful, and beneficial, and issues of accessibility that people face in the pursuit of all of these things. In our first season of Life Beyond, we will be tackling the topics of meat and whether or not it's a necessity in our diets, drug addiction, as well as recovery and sobriety, and lastly, how we all are probably grossly misusing social media. Well, surely not all of us. <laughs> well, in each episode, we hear from guests who talk to us about their personal experiences. We also bring in experts to help give you, our listeners, some research to provide context to our conversations. As well as some words of advice to anyone who's considering or who already has started their journey into a life beyond our particular topic matter. On this episode, we bring in some guests and experts and talk about meat, its role in our lives and diets, and humor the idea of living without it. All right, let's dive in. Haley, do you think you could ever live without eating meat? Well, I was vegetarian for about six months at one point in high school, (laughs) but the convenience of eating the meals my parents cooked for me was far easier at the time. And now I only eat meat sometimes. I'm not big on steak or red meat, but I do eat fish and chicken often. Yeah, so I'm vegetarian and I have been for almost seven years. I was actually pescatarian for a while before that, meaning the only meat that I ate was seafood. However, shrimp started to gross me out, so I just dropped that altogether. Okay, but to be fair, shrimp grossed me out long before I went vegan three years ago. So you two talked to Cassie Duran, who has also been vegan for about the same amount of time as I have, and I was really intrigued by y'all's conversation because she really practices what I preach to others, which is that you don't have to be the perfect vegan to make a huge difference. She also talks about how she implements veganism and other ethical practices into all areas of her life, not just diet. So let's take a listen to y'all's talk with her. Hello. Hello. Hi. (laughs) If you could just go ahead and introduce yourself, your name, where you're from, and a little bit about how you became a vegan. Sure. Um, My name's Cassie. I am from North Dakota. I've been vegan for about two and a half years now. Um, I kind of started as like a challenge to myself just because I'd always been interested in it. And so I was like, I want to try this for 30 days and see if I can do it. Like I bet it's going to be so hard. Um, And it wasn't hard at all. And I really liked it. And as I learned more about it, um, I just didn't really want to stop. So, yeah, been over two years now, still going strong. Do you extend veganism into other elements of your life? Like, do you try and buy, like, cruelty-free or, like, just, like, low-waste products? Yeah. Um, So, like, at the start, when I first was trying it, I didn't worry about that at all um, because, like I said, I was kind of doing it more for, like, health and environmental stuff. Um, but after about like the one year mark when I was like, okay, I kind of got this down. 
um, like I know what I'm doing now. That's when I started to really care about like buying cruelty-free makeup and skincare stuff like that. Um, so now all of my stuff is cruelty-free, and I've stopped buying um, like leather and shoes and bags and like stuff like that, unless it's secondhand. That I'm kind of like, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that's fine, I guess for now. Um, but yeah, I definitely am like continually working towards being more what's the word like conscious and there's like no way to be 100% vegan it's like physically impossible um but it's definitely just like a continued process but I'm always learning always growing do you have any interesting stories of someone having a really bad reaction to you being vegan or making any snide remarks because I just as a vegetarian I definitely get those all the time um well, I don't know if it's, like, a crazy story, but one of my roommates a couple of years ago, when I first went vegan, it was at, like, the four-month mark, she, okay, she never liked me. I don't know what her thing <laughs> was with me, but um, after I went vegan, um, she just, like, would always make these snide comments to my other roommate, and then one time she was, like, talking to a mutual friend, and, like, this friend had said something about how her roommate had gone hunting or something and they had a bunch of meat in their freezer and then my roommate was like oh that would never be allowed in our house because Cassie's a vegan (laughs) and it was just like so uncalled for first of all it's just like I don't care what you eat like I'm not I don't know I don't don't think I'm annoying about it she was just like really condescending for like no reason but I think that's just a preconceived notion (laughs) that people have around here especially if they're uninformed and then also she just already didn't like me in the first place so she's just taking jabs wherever she could I think the main reason why like I haven't x'd out meat completely for my life is because I hate to cook and like (laughs) like I'll do it if I need to but like right now I'm in a living situation where I have like people that will cook for me so it's just so Mm -hmm. easy to like eat a meal and just not Mm -hmm. even think about it which is bad on my part but like when you're like in school and you have a job and there's just like so many things to worry about. I can't relate to that. I love yeah. cooking. <laughs> Same. I actually, yeah, I didn't like cooking before I went vegan, but it kind of forced me to like it. And now, yeah, it's just, just something I do. Yeah. Um, but I like, uh, like the protein question always gets me. And it's like there's protein in everything. Yeah. Okay. Like you just, you need to sit down. It's like you don't you really don't need to be eating sixteen ounce steaks or like four pound burgers or whatever every day to get enough protein. Like you can have some black beans and you're fine. Yeah. I mean I think part of it I mean what I've noticed just as like an American is that we have so many like processed carbs that everyone's like, mm-hmm. no, carbs are bad. But like there's so many exactly. good carbs that like yeah. people just There's don't... carbs in everything. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like I a banana has carbs. No carb diets. Like, what even <laughs> does that consist? Of? Oh my god, keto diet. I can. Oh, keto. <laughs> That's a, such a fad in Austin right now. Cassie makes veganism sound so easy. It just sounds so much more approachable, knowing you can still make that change to being mostly vegan while not limiting yourself. Yeah. Cassie definitely doesn't fall into that militant vegan stereotype (laughs) you always see talked about. Yeah, that stereotype cracks me up. The vast majority of vegetarian and vegans I know don't really fit in it. 
it kind of reminds me of that one Portlandia skit <laughs> about like the whole free range chicken yes. and then they get like indoctrinated into a cult trying to find the <laughs> yes. source of their chicken. Uh, yeah, I don't really know anyone like that. But most of us, I hope, are not militant vegans or vegetarians. I really think that we're just trying to better ourselves by being more ethical consumers like Cassie or being healthier people like our next guest, Rip. So my name is Rip Esselstyn. Um, I've been a healthy eating advocate uh, for a good really 10, 11 years since I wrote my first book, The Engine 2 Diet. I, I've kind of um, been eating this way as a lifestyle since 1987, um, but really been a crusader for the advancement of, um, of getting more people to eat uh, more plants and a lot less animal products and animal byproducts since uh, 2009 when my first book came out. I, um, I've been a health eating partner with Whole Food Market Stores now uh, since 2000 and late 2009. Have a line of, of Engine 2 Plant Strong food products that really exemplify everything that, uh, that Engine 2 stands for, and we can talk about that maybe a little bit later. Um, I throw events across the country, um, five- and seven-day medical immersions, where we take people and we teach them how to reclaim their lost health. Uh, we have a kind of a mammoth festival in the middle of August called Plant Stock that we open up to about 750 people, and it's now in the Black Mountains of Asheville, North Carolina, and that's always um, that's always a lot of fun. Um, and I just um, I, I just uh, was an executive producer uh, of a documentary that will should be hitting either Netflix or Amazon Films in January called The Game Changers um, that should truly be a, a game changer. So um, everything that I've been doing really for the last 10 years since I retired from firefighting here for the city of Austin has been to um, kind of motivate and inspire people, uh, motivate, inspire, and educate people to become plant strong so they can control their health destiny. When you think of plant-based diets, oftentimes, well, I guess I shouldn't be saying this because I've been eating a plant-based diet for the last like three years or so. Nice. But I mean, what are, your, what are your thoughts, Haley? When you think plant-based diet, as somebody who still eats like meat and I mean, what do you, what do you think about? Like, does it still seem crazy? Um, I live with a bunch of people that are plant-based. So to me, it's not that crazy. And I've lived in Austin for a long time. But I mean, I guess the stereotypical point of view from a meat eater is like it's only salads, like it's boring, like you're limiting yourself, you're taking things away. Mm -hmm. When you described it in the firehouse as like such a creative process, like coming up with like all these different types of meals that are still sound so good, you know, like. Um, and I wanted to ask you, you you're, you're calling it a plant strong diet. What's the difference for you between plant based and plant strong? So that's a great question. So plant based would be anything that it really is, it comes from a plant, but it's not necessarily healthy. So, for example, French fries are plant-based, they're potatoes, mm -hmm. but we've taken them and we've now basically, we've dunked them in oil. Mm -hmm. So the water's been displaced and now a French fry that was, like if you baked it, 
would be 3% fat is now 51% fat. Then most people, they sprinkle salt on it and they mm -hmm. dip it in high fructose laden you know, ketchup. Yeah. So it's all plant-based, but it's a, basically it's a fat salt, mm -hmm. you know, sugar bomb. And that's not healthy. You know, Coca-Cola is plant-based. Oreos are plant-based. You know, all these, these, uh, these soy burgers and dogs and nuggets and, uh, and, and uh, protein shake powders and whatnot are all plant-based. So for me, plant strong means we're trying to eat food as close to grown as possible, that's minimally processed, mm -hmm. that has all all the water, all the fiber, mm -hmm. all the nutrients, you know, all the vitamins, the minerals, the phytonutrients, the antioxidants, and the fiber. Mm -hmm. So most of the processed refined vegan crap that's out there is it's you've, they've they've removed the water. They've added oils to the, you know, to the gills, and they've also removed the fiber, and now you get a hollow shell of its former self. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we, we want to get the biggest bang for our calorie buck, mm -hmm. and we do that when we're eating whole, as close to grown as possible, plant-based foods, ergo plant-strong. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you, um, about the protein question because everyone that is the number one thing like the hardest thing about you know coming out to people as vegan or plant-based or plant strong is always mm -hmm. the protein question um, but then there's this other thing about carbs and how they're you know evil in our society like carbs are just this yeah giant force that's come to take over everyone and they're terrible and you should avoid them at all costs so you talked a little bit about protein and carbs, but let's yeah. go back to this um, because I do think that that's like the biggest place where at least I personally lose people in conversations about like eating plants um, is that they they want to get their protein and they don't want carbs. Well, yeah, and so that's all based upon a, a bunch of um, – kind of misinformation so they don't understand that um, they do need carbs they want carbs our bodies run on carbohydrates our as i just said earlier our 10 trillion cells operate on carbohydrates unless you're trying to put your body into a state of you know ketosis mm -hmm. where you're now running on ketones which is it's a starvation type diet it's not a in any way shape or form a healthy long-term way to eat um, there's a small segment of people that have been shown to benefit from it, specifically children with seizures. But, um, you know, um, people get short-term results. They, 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 they sometimes feel better. They lose weight. But it's kind of more of kind of smoke and mirrors than it is anything else. So long-term, the, the safest, health, safest, healthiest way to, to do this is with, you know, whole plant-based foods. Um, when it comes to protein, um, we as human beings only need somewhere between 5 to 10% of our calories coming from protein. We have been kind of raised thinking that protein is the, like, the mightiest of nutrients, like, ever. And the reality is that, yeah, we all need protein, but we also we need essential fatty acids. We also need, you know, we need healthy carbohydrates. We need all these things. Anything more than about 10% of our calories coming from protein 
we either pee it away or we store it as fat. It does us no benefit to eat excessive amounts of protein. Now, you wouldn't know that because, you know, we, we're like, we see a shampoo that's enriched with protein and we want to grab it because we think that our hair follicles, <laughs> right, need a little extra protein. We see a Greek yogurt that says, you know, twice the amount of protein and we're like, oh my God, I need that protein. What most people don't realize is that the protein that's in all dairy products, 86% of the protein is coming from something called casein, C-A-S-E-I-N, that is a, uh, it's a growth accelerator that was put there by the mother cow uh, to, to you know, help ensure that the baby cow grows as fast as possible. And it was never meant for human consumption. And so what happens is we consume it, and we're doing it with our cheese, with our yogurt, with our sour cream, with our cottage cheese, um, with our butter. And every time we're doing that, it basically we're fertilizing any latent tumor and cancer cells that we have. And we're basically saying, hey, man, you know, rev up, rev up, get going. And so it's a little wonder that, you know, 50% of, uh, of men and women will come down with a major cancer in their lifetime. You go to cultures that are eating a predominantly plant-based diet, and they have literally like 150th the breast cancer, the prostate cancer, the colorectal cancer that we have here in the United States. So it's, it's pretty staggering. So, you know, A, let me just say that nobody has to worry about protein because it's there in every food. It's like we're worrying about something that we don't need to worry about. It'd be like worrying that, you know, oh, I'm breathing and I need to make sure that I'm getting enough oxygen out of the air. <laughs> and, you know, what most people don't realize is that, you know, air, air as a firefighter, I can tell you this, air, it's 79% nitrogen, 21% oxygen. But nobody ever thinks, oh, my God, am I getting enough oxygen with every breath that I'm taking? No. You just know that you're getting all you need, right? Make it – it's the same thing. If you're eating, like, a plant-based diet, you're getting all the protein you need. So I, let me just say that more protein doesn't mean more health. In high school, vegetarianism wasn't that weird of a thing, but veganism was just a step too far, mm -hmm. at least for me. I thought it was only eating salads and limiting yourself to only vegetables. Oh my God, yes. So one of my best friends in high school was a vegetarian, and my other best friend and I thought she was crazy. We would always make the same dumb, dumb jokes and comments that people always tell me now. <laughs> like, a little bit of meat won't kill you mm -hmm. and just stupid things like that. I thought it was so abnormal and hard until I actually gave it up for a month back when I was 14. And I went back to eating meat and it actually made me really sick. Uh, so I gradually ate less and less until I e didn't eat any meat at all. But when we had to, like, dissect a pig in my first year of high school, I oh. looked at it and I saw that, like, <gasps> baby pig body. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. oh, my God, this is what happens every time I eat pork. Mm. And then my teacher actually was like, this is just like barbecue. <laughs> and then one of my other friends Yikes. who was a vegetarian in that class, she, like, was crying, like, sobbing, crying, looking at all the, like, dead baby pig bodies. And my... <laughs> My teacher was just like, it's just like barbecue. Like, she kept saying that. And my friend was like, I'm vegetarian. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. And so I was kind of just like, mm, no, thanks, because I don't want to eat a little baby pig. <laughs> Oof, that's enough about pig corpses. So we wanted to bring in some experts. So we contacted two registered dietitians and nutrition researchers here at the University of Texas. 
lecturer Drew Hayes and Dr. Natalie Polis. I think they gave us great insight into exactly yeah. how much meat and protein we need in our diets, along with other things I personally never knew about our diets. I found this statistic that kind of alarmed me, um, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the average American will eat 222 pounds of meat in 2018. Um, what does that number, like, that? to me, that was a really scary thing to read. First of all, to just put it in, like, a single number like that that weighs twice what I do, like, that kind of freaked me out. Um, but... I don't know if I'm looking at it the wrong way because that's like 0.6 pounds a day. So maybe that's not that grotesque of an amount, but I don't know. To me, it just seemed crazy. So what do y'all think about that? Um, I, I think that the recommendations, if you're, <laughs> if you're going with the recommendations, I can't do the math right off the top of my head, but that would exceed um, the current recommendations. But so I think a three to four ounce portion is standard twice a day. Is that correct, mm -hmm. Dr. Polis? Mm -hmm. Depending on your weight and sex and age and things like that. Um, and so if eight ounces, that's, uh, you know, we're looking at definitely going over <laughs> that amount. And in considering that that's a protein recommendation, not meat, mm -hmm. you know, we're getting into some kind of troubled waters, I mm -hmm. would say, um, you know, and, and it, the, my concern with consuming so much meat is that it's displacing, um, you know, other important things in our diet, like uh, phytochemicals and things that may have these kind of uh, compounds and plants that may have uh, health benefits that don't necessarily, um, you know, provide nutrition, but they may, you know, help prevent cancer or help fight heart disease or reduce inflammation or things like that. And, you know, if we're consuming all of our calories from meat, meat doesn't really provide those compounds that could truly benefit health. So that's that's my biggest kind of worry about that statistic. Mm -hmm. um, not even getting into the animal welfare and uh, yeah. the environment and all of those things. Yeah. yeah. So three to four ounces for a single serving of meat is that mm -hmm. like that's supposed to be the serving like at any given dinner yeah i i believe that the recommendations um yeah it's so twice a day three to four ounces of meat so that's like you know the iphone four twice a day mm -hmm. <laughs> not like the newest one <laughs> yeah um or you know we used to say a deck of cards in our day before we had <laughs> before we had cell phones um yeah and so that's to meet your protein needs um, and so, again, we're, most Americans exceed their protein needs even on a plant-based diet. Mm -hmm. So, it, for me, it's not a concern that we need more protein ever. Um, so, you know, with my cat, I know she needs taurine. <laughs> I feed her meat. With the dog, I don't, I'm not convinced. Like, anyway, she still gets meat because I'm not ready to, you know, believe a study that's not quite true. Um, so she gets meat, too. But with me, um, I don't know. Like, it's really confusing to kind of take all this information and figure out if humans are carnivores, omnivores, herbivores, like, what have you. Um, I have settled on that I'm willing to risk that I can live as an herbivore. But what are humans and is meat necessary for us? I would say that yeah. we are omnivores, that mm -hmm. we are capable 
yeah. of eating meat. That's a good way. But we are not required to eat meat. I mean, many cultures around the world live full lives with no meat, that they are vegetarian, at least um, sometimes mm -hmm. vegan. So I would say that we are capable of eating meat, not necessarily that we are required to eat meat to live a long and healthy life. Yeah. In fact, the longest living people in the world are primarily plant-based diets. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, if, if you don't know about them, they're called blue zones. Um, and there's five around the world. Let's see if I can remember them. There's one, I think it's La Loma, California, somewhere in Costa Rica, I can't remember where it is, somewhere in Italy, um, Japan, Japan. the Mediterranean one. Oh, the, that's the Italian, Italian one. one. There's one more. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, <laughs> there's five areas mm -hmm. that have these unique pockets of people who live past 100, sanitarians, um, and the basic common factor among all of them is that they have a plant-based diet. Um, not that they don't eat meat at all, Mo a lot of them don't, but that it's primarily plants with meats potentially as kind of, I like to call them condiments, <laughs> so like little pieces <laughs> yeah. of meat rather than the American diet that is meat-based mm -hmm. with some plants on top um, is kind of reversed in those other areas too. So as the sole meat eater, I think I definitely have a lot to think about when it comes to the role of meat in my diet. Um, it's so easy to eat what's already cooked for me, but there are clearly many other factors beyond convenience that should just be considered when it comes to my meals. I've always been conscious about the effects um, on the world that agriculture and meat production have, but learning specifically about the nutritional needs of the body is really starting to propel my interest into taking a more critical look at my diet. Even though I am vegetarian, there are still a lot of ways that I can be more conscious about my habits as a consumer. My Achilles heel is definitely fast fashion since it's so affordable for my college student budget. Like I can buy like an entire outfit for like $50 at all these like cheap places like H&M or Target. And I really like hate thinking that all my effort as a vegetarian and eating consciously is canceled out completely by my weak will at shopping malls. Okay, Jenna, hit up those thrift stores. <laughs> I do. They're super cheap I and do. way more ethical because you're buying it secondhand and like not putting anything yeah. new into the world. Yeah, I definitely try and only buy nice things though at thrift shops because if you like buy fast fashion at a thrift shop i feel like it's just like the same the same because yeah. it just deteriorates in like a year anyway yeah mm -hmm. but it does that whether you're buying it new or used so hit up those thrift stores everyone <laughs> thank you all for tuning in to our first episode of life beyond we would like to thank everyone who helped us launch life beyond we'd also like to thank this week's guests cassie dr natalie polis drew hayes and rip esselstein don't forget to like, comment, share, and subscribe. And follow our Twitter and Instagram at LifeBeyondCast. Thank you for listening. Bye.